Look, if you last until we reach dry dock, congrats, you're worth something. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a dry dock situation on that ship, as almonds say. Ha! No, not a lot but, of dry docking. Um, You are listening to Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that gets way too horny when there's recording to be done. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me is... <laughs> Matt Marcus? I'm not ready for this energy. <laughs> I'm Garrett, and Why I'm not? uncomfortable. <laughs> Chris, it's fine. <laughs> and today, Mommy's taking you through Iron-Blooded Orphans, episodes 7 and 8. Content warnings for today's batch include nothing. We have nothing to warn you about. It's a Gundam series. There's robot combat. It's pretty tame, uh, all things considered. Last time, when a new investor got cold feet, the crew of Tekadan were left in hot water in hard vacuum, with regulators from Gjallarhorn trying to seize their transport in Mars orbit. Some quick disruption from 30 under 30 prodigy Orga Itsuka got the team out of the spotlight, and now they're on a quest Ooh, to secure a new daddy. backer. <laughs> leaving, the leaving the familiar markets of Mars, the team set course for Jupiter in search of patronage from underground incubator Taywaz. Everything seems like destination moon before a sudden transmission leaves the team shaken. Deposed former CEO Maruba Arke, claiming the transport the crew are piloting, as well as all of their hot new ideas, are his due to prior contracts. Wait, didn't the moon get blown <laughs> up? There's some of it left. You could still go there, technically. Also, do you think the moon being blown up would stop Bitcoin people? No. Uh, yes, because they'd be dead, hopefully. <laughs> they'd still try and build colonies out there, and you know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would buy this shirt. The thing is, when... I'm sorry. There, there's a colony drop joke in there with Bitcoin, and I can't get to it. We already know this world is missing a chunk of Australia. We've had colony drops. Garrett, the joke is that you gotta buy the drop. <laughs> mm, that's true. Alright, so <laughs> after all that, uh, <laughs> let's start with episode 7, uh, Wailing. Uh, we come in Tarantino style on feet. Like, yeah, time to feet, zero seconds. <laughs> uh, as a yet unnamed blonde woman is hanging out in the cockpit uh, painting her nails. So she suggests, as she's doing this, uh, she, sh she suggests that as we pan to the monitor she's looking at, uh, that she wants to gobble up a ship on the monitor, saying it, it looks like a, a lobster or a shrimp, uh, depending on which version you, uh, you're listening to, uh, hmm. before realizing, you know, showing that it is the uh, Izaribi. Aboard the bridge of the Izaribi, Orga is listening to a furious uh, Maruba who is ranting about his property and some real boomer ass like, you know, you, you know, I raised you, I fed you. Why didn't why don't you, uh, you know, like, just give me all the stuff that you stole. I forced you to take that life threatening surgery multiple times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he fucking sucks. 
so bad. Uh, and like he sucks wow, obviously as a character. Wow, Gundam sucks, you say? No, he sucks, but he's also not fun to watch. Kind of suck. Like he kind of sucks as a character. If that makes any sense. Look, at that least makes him everyone relatable. gets sick of him in one episode's time. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, that he just he talks too much. Like if he had like half the dialogue in this episode, he'd be fine. Well, yeah, but he talks too much is why everyone gets sick of him in one episode, canonically. That's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, they, they just mute his ass. <laughs> They're just like, I'm fucking, I'm not listening to this. Uh, so so Fubaton can track the transmission, and uh, they figure out that the uh, vessel is behind them, uh, running at a, approximately the same speed. Everyone is forced to pay attention to the monitors again. However, when a fedora-clad... Cowboy Bebop character shoves uh, Maruba aside and takes the vid screen. Um, this is Naze Turbine, a family boss under the Tewaz organization. Do we figure that people know mob families? Uh, Surely like everybody's Japanese played a Yakuza game families? at this point. Like, I just mean like the structure of a mafia. Do we need to explain that for people or can we just say I, a family I boss? Think, I think they get it, you know. Okay. This guy, yeah, he's extremely a gangster uh, with, like, the fucking, like, full-ass white suit, the fedora, the, like, spectator shoes. Like, I mean, the fit is crisp, not gonna lie, but, like, it doesn't Matt, looking fit at, at all. Reddit poster. Wow, great outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I would rather Matt be looking at Naze than Naze's top wife. What, because why? then we have to start having Metal Gear Solid 3 conversations. Oh, the big scar. Yeah, that's a. Yep. I did notice she that. She has the snake scar. She, pretty much. Nazi runs one of the smaller families in the organization, but the man himself is a big shot, having sworn a blood oath to the head of the whole group, uh, McMurdo uh, Briarston? Barriston. Barriston. Fucking go. super baseball ass name. Yes, it we're is. in Gundam Town, baby. Get used to these names. That's well, true. It's funny too because when you see the uh, the next time on, everyone's in a, like very traditional Japanese garb doing tea ceremonies and shit, and he's got a fucking name like McMurdo. That's how you do my business in space. <laughs> Jupiter in this universe is a cowboy bebop planet, so just get His ready name for is all just kinds McMurdo. of McMurdo. So good. It is pretty good. Also, it's the second best out of place Yakuza leader in something I'm watching this season. So, watch Shangri La Frontier. I've been meaning to. I'll anyway. never do that, probably. Uh, you should. I'm... It's an MMO series. That makes me <laughs> want to watch it less. <laughs> I'm just saying, Mr. Podcaster. I gave you all the hints. You can't call me Mr. Podcaster. <laughs> Fuck you. How many podcasts are you on right now? Eight. We just started another one. <laughs> oh, started no. another one? Yeah. Spite Comics. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. Yeah, see? Mm, mm, mm. Fun. You're going to have to recap me on the eight, because I don't think I can count that many, but that's neither here nor there right now. Nauze was on Mars for business and discovered um, a drunk and bean uh, Maraba in the bar, where upon listening to the blubbering old man, he proposed a deal for... Um, ludicrous sums of stolen cash. And so now, here we are, with the Turbine family assisting the man in trying to reclaim, quote-unquote, his assets. Um, Bad news about those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. See, Nazi's deal was that the CGS 
uh, was going to become part of the Tugurbine family as protection from the Galhorn uh, boot on Maraba's neck. But then they went to collect. CGS no longer had assets. An organization named Tekadon had claimed what wasn't uh, hauled off in Maraba's hands, leaving little to claim. Naze offers the team a deal of their own. Surrender the Isaribi and he'll find them a place in the Turbine family, even if, as he makes clear, they are a large crew and he can't promise they'll all stay together in the greater organizational structure. After some... <laughs> Basically, there are redundancies and we're gonna, we're gonna reduce <laughs> that. <laughs> That's right. We need somebody to make the DLC maps and it's these guys. They go over here. Uh... Mm-hmm. Please do After not refer brief- to the children as toys for Bob. Oh, no. <laughs> well, so uh, maybe we'll be yikes. at Ravensoft and just, like, eat an ICBM or whatever. Uh... <laughs> After some brief conversation, Orga declined, saying Tekadan is contracted in the middle of a job and nothing like this can happen until it's complete. And Gudelia pipes up from the back. Now, after this, Naze despairs. Great, you must be Gudelia Aina Bernstein, and since you're considered Maruba's property, that makes this even more complicated. Uh, the Tekadan crew do not know how to react to this, and Gudelia, unaware of this, and uh, a few glances to the silent Miss Admos in the corner. The whole, like, property thing gets so much focus in these two episodes, and I'm like, are we? why are we focusing on that too much? He sees you as an asset, as a bargaining chip. Of course he does. Uh, it is a, also a larger focus, because this is also a series that features, like, a worker rebellion that, so a lot of focus on sure. concepts like property. Yeah, but, like, of a of a person who was, I don't know. It's it's weird that, I we'll see where it goes. They don't really resolve it in this section, but <laughs> you end up with Cadelia sp- spending a lot of time thinking about the idea of a person property. Women are the means of <laughs> women are a means of production to be seized, Matt. I mean, they certainly are producing, as we find out. Holy shit, are they? <laughs> Naze says this whole thing means he has to call his boss, but Biscuit interrupts on the way out. Hey, uh, if it's possible, could we create a contract between Tekadan and the Turbans? The mobster refuses and turns down explaining why. With no wiggle room between two stubborn men, Orga and Naze end the call with both sides preparing for combat. Aboard Naze's ship, the Hammerhead, we see his second-in-command, Amida Arka, begin giving battle plans, yelling for laughter, the blonde in the intro, to wear a damn normal suit this time. Uh, at this point, you can start realizing that there is a majority female crew on the Hammerhead by all of the voices. And the Isaribi retracts its bridge and turns 180 as the Hammerhead puts more power into thrusters, preparing for ship-to-ship combat. So, Mika and Akihira are dispatched to their suits, and Eugene is ordered to remain on the bridge as the only person uh, Orga can trust in command in his absence. And he's like, oh, a little blushy about it. Oh, I guess I am the only guy who could do this job. Surely there's got to be someone better. (laughs) <laughs> he seems to do a fine job he does yeah, okay. who would be better that isn't going into a suit right now that's the problem mm-hmm. yeah also this is that's like only half the thing the thing is that like he gave Orga so much shit about delegating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean that's also a theme of these episodes yeah mm-hmm. so Fubitan tries to escort Cordelia to safety but the a uh, younger woman tells her to stay on the bridge and assist in combat. 
from the Hammerhead, uh, Amida and uh, one of her top pilots, whose name is Ozzy, A-Z-E-E, <laughs> pronounced Ozzy, uh, Gurumin, uh, both launch out as the first wave to meet the oncoming Izaribi, with uh, Amida declaring a bit of approval that the Tekadon ship is uh, keeping full speed while turning to meet them. So they, they basically did like a 180, but are like now going backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Izaribi's hangar, uh, Yuki Nojo apologizes to Mika for being unable to get the reactor fully tuned up uh, during maintenance. And Mika says, like, he'll do fine as long as it runs, which uh, unfortunately <laughs> he probably would have liked it to run a little better. Uh, there's a bit of banter between the two of them with the old man asking the young one not to die out there. And, the re- uh, and uh, Mika retorts, I plan to outlive you, old timer. At this point, the soundtrack aboard the Isaribi is dipping into some of the weirder tracks, not just the Spanish guitar that we've been playing in a lot of battle themes. The launch theme has whale sounds in the background, and Hell one, of yeah. the, one of the bridge shots had a synth work angle to it that gave kind of a joyous, it's playful, playful synth. Yeah, there's there's some, like, it feels a little disjointed, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, Please don't like think music. about how these are child soldiers. Think about how fun this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool robot. We are also off of Mars now. So, yeah, the soundtrack is going to grow a bit. Yep. And, of course, they add in, like, whale sounds in the episode called Wailing. Well, yes, that would be the perfect place to debut it. You can't uh-huh. bring that out next time with uh, the tenderness of closeness or whatever it is. I can't see uh, the, the form right of now. closeness. Yeah. The form of closeness. And we cut to commercial with the two duos of mobile suits about to meet. Amida promising, it's time for your spanking, little boys. <laughs> There's so much, like, like little bits of, of fetish fodder here. <laughs> These episodes are canonically horny. Yep. Yes, they are. And yet also, they're G-rated. it shouldn't, but it reminds me of the bit in Victory where they play a similar thing, which probably isn't even <sighs> that similar, but... Oh, no, it's definitely not similar to that. (laughs) We would have so many content warnings if we were in Victory Town. Oh, no. Victory Victory is a show. Victory is probably the single most problematic thing that Tomino ever wrote. Duly noted. Yeah, that's victory good rules, but also <laughs> victory is the only time that you have to do things like content warning, consent of a minor. Yikes. Yikes. Yep. Yeah. More than once, too. Yep. Really kind of just a continuous one. Anyway. He um, did it after a divorce. <laughs> series has a opinion about women and children. Mm. Too early for air tags. <laughs> Anywho, we come back from the commercial where the Isagrivi is playing defense with their cannons trying to shoot down missiles from the hammerhead. Uh, Biscuit has seen the specs on the other craft and knows they have to keep a distance, or else they'll be in range of the other ship's napalm launchers. Uh-huh. Which is um, honestly probably fine. Yeah. It is very fun that uh, a lot of tech in this setting because ablative armor was made 
and kind of nullifies a lot of beam weapons means we've retreated to a lot of conventional warfare weaponry. Yeah, it's very, it's like extremely real robot. There, there are not a lot of lasers. Mm-hmm. Because lasers are dumb. Lasers are sick. I miss the lasers. They literally roll off of everything. Stupid nano laminate bullshit. Uh, but at this point, the hammerhead has the upper hand. A third mobile suit launches with a pissed off um, Laffer inside. Mad her nails didn't get to dry. And immediately begins um, pelting the Izarabi with uh, armaments they can't just take down with flak. Um, Mika tells Akihiko to cover the front lines and returns to the ship to, uh, ship's defense as the two women um, tease that, Oh, your friend left you here alone? Um, Akihiko suddenly pushes the assault, coming in close and firing uh, precisely, retorting that, No, he left you to me. Thanks. Aboard the ship, Gudelia is having a hell of a time getting her normal suit on in zero-G until Atra floats by and the two have a nice moment together with the potatoes. This scene cures both women's depression as they found shelter in the place where women feel most comfortable, where the food is stored, and then they head for the bridge. Uh, as laugh- I thought you were going to say the dressing room. No. <laughs> you don't keep potatoes in the dressing room. Atra was carrying them out of the kitchen so they didn't float around. It is good well, to know, though, early, that at I least the potatoes will be safe and not their heads if there's any sort of trauma to happen. Yeah. I guess during, like, early American immigration, we did keep our potatoes in the dressing room and all of the other low-paid jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess this is also the... <laughs> The only part where you could say mild content warning for fan service because there's a there's a big old ass shot and chest shot one could tell. No, there's there's definitely multiple places we can talk about fan service in these episodes with the harem. Oh, it's mild, yeah, but it's just like it's been a minute since I've been like, oh, that's just an ass on screen, just bam. Plus, if I'm giving warnings about fan service and I didn't do it at the start of the episode where we just came in on feet, I don't uh-huh. know what we're going to do. <laughs> That's totally true. Probably stop calling it fan service uh, since that really just is a smokescreen for gross exploitation. And this shows all about a different kind of gross exploitation. That's correct. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and there, there is fan service that is not horny. <laughs> People forget that. Especially in robot shows. Mm. Yeah. Uh, as Laughter keeps trying to crack this lobster shell, Mika comes in and begins taking shots at her suit. Problem is, Laughter hierarchy is all thrusters. She begins orbiting around him without any hesitation, and even his enhanced reflexes can't keep up with the smaller, much nimbler suit. On the back foot, Mika takes shot after shot, trying to nail her down before taking a few direct hits and finally turning the tables with a tether shot directly into the suit's core to nullify mobility. Uh, the pair begin swinging around in opposition to each other uh, away from the Isaribi. Meanwhile, Afta and Kudelia arrive on the bridge, where, for those who weren't paying attention earlier, the older woman calls out Where's Orga? as we see the second wave climb into mobile workers in the hangar. Eugene puts the plan into motion, ordering two missiles fired directly across the hammerhead's bow. The larger craft shoots them down with ease, only to find the payload was not explosives, it was a literal smokescreen deployed from the point of destruction. The only warning that something is coming is an increased Ahab reactor signature, as the Isaribi blasts directly at the hammerhead, before tilting just slightly to pass over the bridge of the ship. 
Naze, who is already... <laughs> yeah. Do a full roll, just a tilt. Uh-huh. Close enough. This is initial D in space. Uh, Naze, who has already seen the ship's combat with Gallerhorn, takes this to be another escape attempt and orders pursuit before their ship is rocked by explosions. Uh, security monitors let them know that Orga and uh, half a dozen other men have just broken into the ship, armed and charging for the bridge. Uh, Naze's almost impressed, uh, given that the stunt they pulled on uh, had way more ways to go wrong than for it to go right. Uh, and he says also like, hey, you know, it's an old classic, uh, classic move that they did here. Um, and this is when uh, Maruba begins running his mouth again as we learn a new slur, which is sprats, which is short for space rats. Uh, yeah. And, and tying that with the whole whiskers thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the episode closes with mobile suit combat because Akihiro's out there he's holding his own but he's taken some licks along the way uh losing piece and piece of his uh suit but he is refusing to back down and he's like amping himself up because like oh mika told me i had to had to take these two on so i can't back down at all there was a nice line uh from oh which one is it the ozzy which which one is the uh ozzy uh, is the, the younger ma- and trying to remember which one's the older one Amida is the older. Amida. Yeah, Amida is like, <laughs> your brain is all muscle, but I like that. <laughs> Which is a great line. <laughs> There's also the sick part where they go into like a melee clash and the one mobile suit just cuts through the Graze's axe. Yeah, like yep. the, the axe starts to like chip. But yeah, at one point he starts like, t- he manages to grab a hold of one of the other suits and starts like trying to like bash its knee to like break its leg off. There's a lot of good, uh, like, mech-to-mech, like, it would be like, oh, like, one-to-one combat. Like, they're not using weapons. Iron-Blooded Orphans is a series that has unique combat for a series of mech shows. Mm-hmm. That's true. Meanwhile, Mika's unable to control anything. Laffer goes in all in on her thrusters, dragging the pair of them into a debris field. Um, there's some shit talk. Uh, between them before she tries to scrape him off on a rock, an explosion chases her as she turns around, which uh, is where Mika, who has embedded his mace into the asteroid as a break, finally uh, gets to take advantage of some physics, yanking her suit in close to his strength melee range. Um, He calls her a sore loser, and she returns. Um, She hates the man who comes on strong. As they both continue um, fighting for their lives, Uh, Mika is unable to wield the mace while it is his anchor and laughter uh, trying to whiz around on the retracted cable is out of his reach. And that's where a radio call um, lets every suit know to stand down. Both Orga and Naze both say that an agreement has been reached. Uh, There's also a cool bit where um, with uh, laughter's uh, unit when it gets in a melee range and uh, Mika tries to hit her. She, like, the hands, like, come out of the thrusters to, like, dodge the mace. It's pretty sick. He's not using the mace. The mace is into That's the, right. uh, uh... Yeah. He was trying yeah, to he's punch He's just swatting with a hand. Mm-hmm. Most of the battlefield slowly lets out a sigh of relief, except for a pissed-off laughter, ripping off her helmet, screaming, damn it, I was just getting good. Um... 
laughter narrates the preview. I was of almost the there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Well, that's what the preview is, basically. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. It's just going to end halfway like this? But I was ready to go all the way. I'm so unsatisfied. This is really frustrating. I'm burning up inside. Ugh. I'll have to have my darling help release all this tension. That takes us into episode 8, The Form of Closeness, where we pick off it. We pick up from the middle of last episode, this time showing Orga's assault on the Hammerhead. Uh, we learn that the crimson-headed Dante Mogro uh, knows how to use a computer. And uh, once the team is inside, he's left to act as a distraction solo after getting a map of the craft to Orga. Their next move is to set up a gas bomb in the hangar, uh, releasing something combustible to prevent anyone from being shot at. This reminds me a lot of um, uh, the, the bits in... Oh, fucking Legend of Galactic Heroes when they're uh, like when they infiltrate each other's ships and they can't use guns because there's going to be some kind of explosion. So they like use like giant axes and shit. Yeah. Uh, like All the really bloody parts of that show. Uh, good news. You might make some other L.O.G.H. comparisons as we go. Hmm. Interesting. That could break so many different ways. A thing that we could probably point out is, unlike a lot of Gundam series, this is not the Universal Century. This is not ripping off the Universal Century. So ships do not generally have the little mounted rails for when they're in zero-G, and they actually do a lot with the animation of that. Like, when Orca mm. is going through these hallways, they have people who are curling around a corner to watch his yeah. cover, while the others will pop out, and then start running along the walls. Yeah, that's cool. It's very good. I don't know if it would be episode art worthy, but it's uh, it's great stuff to just look at with the animators didn't have to do this, but they did. Mm -hmm. uh, another small detail like that is like when they're in the um, the kitchen, they have like basically earth earthquake scraps on anything in a can, so the cans just don't yep. like, explode in space. And a little of that is Navy-styled, uh, being able to strap down the pots and things Pot, to the stove. Yeah. yeah. Very fr uh, crew at sea. Dante's counterhack is keeping the monitors and bulkheads offline, but Naze is curious about what comes next. He asks Maruba, who both cannot tell him anything about these kids, and keeps pathetically asking, Come on, just kill them, Naze. Come on. <laughs> Except fatter. When the kids make it to the bridge, Naze makes it clear he is not interested. Look, describe no, his not. voice actor as anything other than that. I mean, also his character. He is a uh, very... I mean, he... Yes, yeah. He is the <laughs> largest man in this series, and really... If you are that big on Mars, you are a piece of shit. That is 100% true. He's coded that way, and I'm pointing it out for a reason. Not fat phobia. <laughs> it's character conservation, which, ironically, mm. he does not do a lot of. No. When the kids make it to the bridge, Naze makes it clear he is not interested in a firefight, nor stopping the teens. However... He also doesn't stop Orca from walking right up to Maruba and putting a rifle to the man's head. All he says is, do not pull the trigger on my bridge. It'll waste ammunition. 
Fine, fine, you've made your point. I'll consider your deal, he tells Orga, as the younger man stands over a fainted Maruba. There's a really funny beat here where when Orga and the team first come in, like, the, the girls on the bridge are just bored. Like, they're in, like, one of them actually, like, checks her nails. <laughs> and I'm like, they, I mean, the whole point is, yeah, they're not fighting it anymore. And like, oh, yep, this is over. We're, we're cool. Uh, but I thought it was very amusing how they, like, no, nobody even bothers to turn around to, like, face them. They're not here for us. They're here for the boss. That's true. Uh, as the pilots from both sides make their way back to their respective ships, Orga, Biscuit, and Gudelia head over to the Hammerhead to work out the negotiations. Uh, Nazia's first concession is that Maruba is no longer going to be the kid's problem. Uh, and for wasting everyone's time and because of the debts incurred uh, from the damage, uh, he's going to be Maruba is going to be tossed headfirst into a mining satellite to work off uh, what he promised the family. <laughs> Uh, rip to that guy. Actually, don't rip to that guy. He sucks. Orga points out that uh, he's only seen women on this ship, and Naze calls it uh, calls this natural because uh, everywhere I go, uh, my harem comes with me. It's not a ship of Valkyries. And Cotillia's like, "What are, are these? All your wives?" And he's like, "Sure, let's go with that." Sure, we'll go with that as a direct quote. By the way. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm sure legally it's not, you know, who knows what the actual, uh, uh, what would happen with his property when he dies, like who it gets willed to. Anyway, he also lets them know that there are children aboard and all of those children are of his, of course. And on, on multiple occasions, they'll say, oh, yes. And they're from different mothers as if like we got the point. We we get it. Like, look, we sleep with a lot of he women. He wants you to know fine. he fucks. He fucks everyone who wants it. And raw. Uh. <laughs> the hat would definitely absolutely stay on. stays on. It's the only uh -huh. one he'll wear during sex. <laughs> but uh, Amida reigns in his bragging with a uh, you're basically uh, I, I guess you would say wife number one or <laughs> the main Top wife. wife. Top Amida uh, is, I refer to her in these notes as his second in command, because let's not even try ranking wives. That's that's going yeah. to be problems for us. <laughs> it's Bonus episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stack ranking. Stack ranking Nazi's wives. Gundam <laughs> ranking of wives is also a cursed podcast idea. <laughs> ranking of wives is a fucking light novel series, and you know it. <laughs> that might actually be a light novel. <laughs> uh anyway yeah so amida reigns in his bragging saying uh, you're talking about stupid things again dear basically oh, like stop bragging okay. about it nope no nope. oh, no top hit when i do quote ranking of wives a comparative study of the ranking of wives in the polygonous household among the southern bantu mm. from the ooh ooh what is this organization from the Oh, no. School of <laughs> Oriental and African Studies Archives, University of London. Oi. I went off. <laughs> All the worst ways that, that could have gone. <laughs> so Orca lays out his request. He'd like to sign up Tekadon as a company underneath the Tewa's banner. Um, this would allow him to finish his job for Catelia on their routes 
and then pay the organization back in a mutual benefit to both teams. Um, Nazay says it's fine with him, um, but that's not his call. Instead, he'll introduce the commander to the quote-unquote old man and let Orga pitch to the boss himself. Um, Kudelia is completely unfamiliar with how the underworld works and goes, wait, you're the boss's son? Before uh, Biscuit mansplains crime to her. Um, you be nice. Biscuit, Biscuit isn't like that. Okay, but that's literally what he does. He goes, no, stupid. He means the boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose that's fair. Like, come on, Biscuit context. should know better. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, Biscuit does know better. Biscuit just hasn't been around women much. But, by the way, is this... Is this the time where he gets called Biscuit Boy? <laughs> uh that was that was earlier on the bridge before the okay. battle. Okay. That was that was really funny to me. Like that that got a good way. I mean just calling him Biscuit Boy. I did laugh at one of the bridge crew on the hammerhead just going, his name is so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, that, that was laughter, right? Cuz all she does is talk about food. Laughter's not on the bridge. Okay, okay. Uh, Biscuit also asks about the concept of Kudelia as property, and Naze says that is a complicated issue, um, deflecting with the question, what do you know about Gallarhorn? There's a brief recap and a slight elaboration on what we covered last episode, specifically, regard- specifically regarding how Gallarhorn is supposed to be a peacekeeping force between the worlds, and yet, in effect, being the ones in controls of weapons, communications, and transport, uh, makes them a lot more than that. Um, and then Biscuit goes, sure, but you didn't answer my question at all. And Nazi says, uh, you'll have to ask the old man. Your client here is much more important than I think you realize, way above my pay grade. <laughs> I, uh, Biscuit is great because I don't know if anyone aside from maybe Orga would have listened to that whole speech and then got, that was not an answer. <laughs> uh, God, you know, I, I I have to get this intrusive thought out of my head. Uh, a graphic novel called Chocolate Man and Biscuit Boy. That is absolutely interracial, Yowie. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> very tasteful and very tasty. <laughs> Ooh. Honestly, we're just kind of describing "Call Me by Your Name." Mika and Akihiro have a chat and some downtime in the mess hall, complimenting each other on the job they did out there. But Mika is quick to be off, though, eating less than usual and saying he's going to assist Yukinojo in the hangar on tuning up the Barbados. Meanwhile, Orga and crew have returned to the Isoribi, where they will follow the Hammerhead to Saisei, a battleship which acts as Tewa's headquarters. So... In the Hammerhead's hangar, we get a little bit more time with the Tewa's pilots. Uh, Laughter in particular is, like, really keen on meeting the guy who was piloting the white uh, mobile, soup as, mobile suit as soon as possible. And uh, it's definitely with a tinge of... really good episode <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's Meals on Wheels. <laughs> mobile Soup Gumbo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck, I think that might win. That's it. <laughs> shit uh anyway yeah no she 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 wants to fuck mika kind of uh and (laughs) at least like she's like no one has gotten my blood up as much as uh or like as much as him except for of course my husband (laughs) 
<laughs> no, she didn't. Th- oh, did she say husband in the subtitles? She, she didn't say husband. I, I'm no, yeah, that's okay. an embellishment. No, no, she just says my darling. She says darling. That's exactly like, it. She keeps saying darling. And I thought based on the way this scene went that they, she was referring to Ozzy, who is just like, oh, God, shut up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, like, we don't know the whether or not there's any other relationships happening, if it's all, if there's any horizontal relationships within this harem, probably not. Do you really Uh, want this to be the show that elaborates though? Not really, but I don't know. I mean, this is a a Okada writing, so. Yeah. If anyone would be tasteful about the queers, it's probably Mario Okada in Gundam. Yeah. And they did a pretty good job in, in G witch. So they did a good job, but that also came, uh, Seven years later. That's true. Very, very different time. Anyway, uh, the Isaribi's hangar is a, a lot less jovial than uh, than on the Hammerheads. Mika and Yukinojo are trying to figure out what to do about the Barbados uh, because they can fix up uh, any of the grazes. Those use standard parts. But a relic like the Barbados requires a lot more custom hardware and probably at a much higher cost. And uh, they can't really fix up the damage that laughter did to it, uh, which makes things uh, even worse, considering it wasn't at like, you know, 100 percent tuned up to begin with. Uh, Orga's trying to uh, talk the boy up, but uh, Mika is completely down on himself uh, for his performance. Uh, He basically he feels like he lost that encounter and he's kind of really lost his mojo. Uh, and he basically closes the conversation with, uh, like, you're right, I'm going to try, have, uh, sorry, he says, like, I'm going to have to try harder, and Orga, Orga is like... Orga says, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's a response, yeah. Like, Mika says, like, yeah, I have to try harder, I didn't I didn't do enough, and Orga is, well, at first it's going to be like, no, 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 you, you did great, and then he, like, later relents and just goes, you're right, I'm going to have to try harder, too. After the commercial, we cut ahead ten days. Uh, Mika and Akihiro have been spending a bunch of time uh, uh, on the hammerhead, using their training equipment. Um, in the mess, there's a little more banter. Um, Eugene looks like he ate the cheese bones. Whatever that means. What, I don't what? remember What this. do you mean, whatever that means? Did none of you <laughs> grow up with the cheese bones? No. What's a cheese bone? It's when, like, you get the cheap cheese and you just take a bite out of something and there's crunch in it. It's like, oh, you got the cheese bones. I've never heard of this. I've are never you, heard of that. Are you either. fucking with me, right? None of you have no, a cheese bone. I don't know what a cheese bone is. <laughs> I'm not a slob, so I closed my cheese so it doesn't get hard like that. That was absolutely a thing we had growing oh. up. Where it's just like, you know, gonna make a quesadilla, bite, bite, crunch. Oh, you got must the cheese been. bones. Must no, have been really only- hard before they invented Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe none of you know the cheese bones. No, Everyone, I have never heard of this. Nope. This no. is absolutely a th- like the Go only to time my cheese cheese bones. I I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I was gonna say the only time my cheese is crunchy is when it's a really really aged cheddar and you have the little like crystals of like funk inside of them, which are delicious. Googling cheese. You're just gonna get dog treats. Bones, not horny. <laughs> 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 See, you thought better of me, but really, the you just get dog treats as a result. <laughs> yeah, I get dogs. Cheese bones for dogs. That makes sense. See, I thought I was not in any way going to have a way to talk about all the gaming I'd done this week with the furry trash VN, and yet then you give me cheese bones, not for dogs, and it's like, hmm. 
Oh, these ones are for dogs. Yeah, that they are for dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like the ones like you, you have the cheese ones, you have the peanut butter ones. There, there's like the fake bacon ones. Mm, yeah, fake bacon. Anyway, if you want some good furry trash porno, Mice Tea is on Itch and Steam. Hmm. Anywho, uh, Eugene is frustrated that his trips over to their companionship have left him surrounded by women, but none of them show any interest in him, to which another crewman goes, well, duh, they're Naze's wives, man. Um, it would be a red flag if they were into you. Um, it's kind of got a point. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah you, you, just assume they're not interested, because they shouldn't. They probably are not. Um, Atra snags a still-confused Kudelia out of a daze and asks if she'd like to go visit the Hammerhead with a wicked grin and no explanation yet. We cut to Naze's meeting room, and this time it's just Naze, Orga, and Biscuit. The two have a proposal. Could Naze introduce them to a trader who would be able to take some of the captured Galahorn equipment in for cash with no questions asked? They're even more than willing to share a finder's fee with Naze for the help. He says that's probably doable, but why would a military outfit need to hustle that fast? Orga breaks the hard-ass routine and says that, uh, we're basically poor. Um, there's a scene earlier in the episode where there's a transmission from Mars that lets them know that the Martian half of the organization is basically unable to get work, um, between all of their best workers being on the Isaribi and Gallahorn's presence, uh, suppressing, like, people's willingness to work with them. Naze asks again why they rejected his offer to get everyone in Tekadan work as part of the crew, and Orga says splitting up the youths is not an option. Unsurprisingly, Naze says he's going to need more of an explanation than that. What follows after a bit of posturing is a hard conversation between the two men in which Orga says he is not going to split them up when they have all bonded through the trauma of their dead comrades. And Naze mentions, oh yeah, you said something about that when you were putting a gun in your boss's face. Instead, he decides to go, so about you, Orga. Do you think you're ready for the hard calls that come with the throne you took? Your single order could send half of these kids to the grave without warning. Are you ready to live with the consequences of your actions? You know, we all know the real reason why Orga didn't want to split up the group, and it's because his boyfriend didn't give the okay. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the entire time we're just thinking like, Mika said to keep everyone together, so I can't go against that, but I can't say that to this guy, so here's my excuse. Like, he, he seems like he's fumbling over not, not admitting that, oh, I, my friend just told me not to do it, so I didn't do it. <laughs> um, so It's worth, worth noting that we definitely skipped over, like, a bunch of homophobia here. You mean, like, we? in the in the show? Yeah, yeah in the subs, they're like, He's like, why are you, what's up with this? It's just a bunch of guys hanging out oh, all together. Yeah. You don't think that's that really weird, huh? Absolutely not in the dub. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's and, in the sub. He, yeah, he's like, and he's oh, like and he unnatural? reiterates, are you sure you aren't gay? Seems unnatural. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't that think is he a, actually says gay. That is a no, very different no. read on that. <laughs> I mean, like, of course, a guy who just runs around with his harem doesn't understand not having women around all the time. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm not gonna say anything. I'm, I'm not I'm, yeah. I'm not defending. It's still like that. I forgot about that line, and I'm like, oh yeah, that sucks. <laughs> uh, there's a break before Orga responds to this, though, and uh, we cut to Hammerhead's nursery, and I felt this was a weird cut, and like, I get why they did it, but in the middle of the scene, I'm like, you could have 
completed the other scene and then gone to this. And anyway, um, so in the nursery, Atra, Kudelia, Laughter, and uh, Amida are taking care of the infants. And uh, the turbine crew tell uh, the women from um, Tekadon that, yes, uh, every child on the ship is Naze's, as we described before. And uh, these are just the infants. Uh, the Their older siblings are on planet being educated and growing up in gravity. And uh, Laughter, apparently, she seems relatively normal when she's not uh, <laughs> piloting the Psycho Gundam or whatever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you don't even know what that means yet. No, I don't. That's the funny thing about it, right? God, you used it correctly, but you don't know. That's the funniest part. Well, I, I actually I referenced that meme in uh, one of the the Wolfstride uh, episode arts. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone noticed. That's true. I was not looking at the art on those. My player doesn't show it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah, she's. She's relatively normal. They don't say who is whose child, uh, which I was surprised that that part of the conversation didn't happen. But to be fair, we deal. probably haven't met the vast majority of the wives who these could belong to. That's true. We've met like, what, six, seven, maybe. Uh, but there's got to be like, what, like 40 women on this ship to run let's, it? Let's politely say that they have an equivalent crew to the Isaribi. In which case, they've probably got uh, 60 people at a minimum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we wrap with Atra being glad that uh, she could get Cadelia to smile again, because she's, you know, <laughs> as women do, they love hanging out with babies. Uh, so she's very happy to hang out with a baby. And uh, the... Uh, and Cadelia uh, seems... Uh, you know, she, she had seemed pretty depressed, because... Basically, throughout Good. this episode, she's she's just been thinking, like, property, what does that mean? I'm property? I like how Matt has just accused the show with the female writer of being weird about women. <laughs> uh, no, it's just, it was funny observing that, like, when I was still working in an office, and someone would bring their, like, baby to the office, like, who congregated and who didn't? Uh, I don't know. It's funny, but I, I get it. Like ba babies are mildly intoxicating. Like their smell is mildly intoxicating. Like you, there's definitely some kind of reaction happening when you smell. Babies a baby. are the worst and ugly, and I'm glad mine grew out of it. <laughs> I, hey, look, I'm much happier now that she's, you know, my daughter is like relatively becoming person shaped. I will, however, give Matt this. Uh. It turns out the writer for this episode was a man, so... <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Uh, looks like the guy mostly does Ultraman, although he is credited with uh, screenplay for Dones Island and was a scriptwriter for both Helk and Metallic Rouge. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard Metallic Rouge is okay. Metallic Rouge, I'm not sure how I feel about yet. Ringing endorsement. I heard that was okay. <laughs> I mean, I've heard people say it's shallow but pretty, and that's pretty much Well, yeah, it. it's Bones doing an anniversary right. series. Yeah. So we cut back to the other conversation. Orgus says he won't have his friends dying in vain again, killed by some idiot's decision, and that he'll be on all right with on the front lines with, and then he's cut off by Naze, 
who uh, whacks the kid right in the face. He does, like, the, the flick to the forehead thing. Um, but it knocks him down like a bullet. It's a, it, it's strong. a strong... F- <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. Um, and Nazi goes, there's no point dying with them, you idiot. You're the commander. Get yourself killed and you're gonna break up Tekadan faster than anything else. Um, Nazi tells the two um, that that's not a commander move. Uh, the word he's looking for is family. But, uh, for some reason, he thinks he gets it now, and he shoes the pair, um, out of the office and says he'll see what he can do. Orga just collapses in the hall, thinking he blew it, but Biscuit says they probably made the point better than any canned speech would have. Besides, Tekadon's behind him no matter what. In the Hammerhead's hangar, laughter is getting all worked up again. We see her destroy Akihiko in a simulation. Is it his name, Akihiro? I know uh, Persona Three. <laughs> Persona Three just came out on PC or whatever. I mean, maybe, I've been do, maybe I've been saying it wrong the whole episode. I don't even know. Honestly, I I need to check what my spell check is doing because I write these in list of Gundam guys. Yeah, it is Akihiro. You're correct. I'm just trying to figure out how it is that I'm writing these correct. Damn, can you believe you get a search result from that? <laughs> of course, here are some do. Gundam guys according to the search. I I absolutely do have to see what the list of Gundam guys is. Let's see. I like how Kira's the first one. Well, he did just have a movie come out. I mean, I guess. This motherfucker's named Hero. He can't be named that. Look, he's the only one not named after a number. At least it's not Hero Protagonist. I kind of respect that more than anyone in Gundam <laughs> Wing, though. <laughs> I I, st- I I haven't read that book. <laughs> I will someday. I don't know if you need to. In the hand, uh, we see her destroy Akihiro in the simulation, and uh, Ozzy is this Ozzy? Is this what it's supposed to be? Is this yeah, I I saw both of those typos in one line, and I need to figure out what the fuck is wrong with my. Like I said, I write these in Notepad Plus, and then I copy them into Google Docs, and I think somewhere along the way, shit's getting auto-corrected. It's in the Google Docs. What you gotta do is you gotta go through, right-click on all the proper nouns, and add them to the dictionary. Yeah, I'll figure it out later. And Ozzy tells him to cool off before he tries again. He's only gonna get sloppier if he's pissed off behind the controls. Instead, Mika slots in for a round against the blonde girl. Laughter points out he's gonna be at even more of a disadvantage this time. Uh, there's no Alaya Vinjana system in The Sims, tough guy. Time to train the hard way. On the bridge of the Hammerhead, Amida busts Naze's balls a bit. He says Orga's speech was childish crap that made by Asich, but she tells him to shove it. I seem to remember you spotting you spouting a lot of bullshit yourself when you were his age. And we close out on the East Ribi with Orga and Mika having a quick chat below decks. Mika's been training so hard because he's pretty sure that if he wanes, Orga's going to ditch him for people who can actually do the job. And Orga goes, no, being ditched isn't something you got to worry about with family. Doubt not emoji. true. <laughs> but it's not something you have to worry about with found family. And that's the difference, and that term wasn't in common use when this dub was made. <laughs> The two give a little fist bump of solidarity as they pull into range of the Saisei, and we get a short glimpse of a smiling gray mustache as the episode closes. With that done, how's everyone feeling? Well, sure, we're some cool robots. 
cool yeah. robots. Yeah, it's all, I mean, harem stuff aside. <laughs> the, con- the entire contents of these episodes aside. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I, I know we're not going to probably spend a lot of time with these. I don't actually I don't know how much time we're going to be spending with uh, Nazi's wives, but a lot. Uh, OK, OK, because like, I'm wondering how much time like do they become character characters or are they just each one oh, yeah. a bit? OK, Matt. What if I told you the best part of about a harem is that you could have a guy get really upset because his wife died multiple times? Oh, no. Oh, no. Matt, what if I told you that Naze is the 100 girlfriends guy grown up? Well, I haven't watched that yet. I hear it's good. How have you not watched the 100 girlfriends who absolutely love you? Because I was... What was I watching last season? Because it's how did not you, Yuri? I was about to say, how did you also miss it straight? But Oh, well, the, there's there's a little bit. I, I know some of the girls make out. People talk about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there's basically just these these two that are basically a crushing on each other, too. Uh, although it's not canonized or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I, I have not watched that. But that's that's probably a good point of comparison. No, I, I literally mean it. Naze is that dude grown up. Like, his name's Naze? No, just like that's absolutely <laughs> what that dude will become when got the it, hundred girlfriends it. become the hundred wives. Hey, man, you know what? When you grow up, sometimes you get the drip. And sometimes uh, one of your wives decides to tell you to shove it because, you know, you talked a lot of shit as a kid. <laughs> How about you, Garrett? Wow, cool robot. You know, I, I the thing is, I generally, I find myself less impressed with space battles versus mech battles on the ground. And I'm not entirely sure why, because I know technically it's probably just as impressive as animation, but the way that, like, things come in and out of camera shots and, I don't know, or like, you know... There's some good bits here because you know have the you have the wire in play, right? You have the tether and like stuff swinging around and it looks really cool. But for whatever reason, I'm like in my head I'm like this is definitely much cooler than it feels to me. Uh whereas like battle like the earlier battles uh you know with a Gallerhorn or whatnot, that felt more visceral even though we, it, the only times that in this case it felt really visceral is when they were the robots were punching each other in the face and whatever. I mean, I see that. Well, I mean, like, there's like a, uh, I don't want to make the pun, but there's a certain gravity to ground combat. <laughs> well, I think you, you get less like really dramatic sweeps and like having uh, like, ro- you know, the the actual combatants fly in and out of the camera at long distance. Uh, and I think sometimes that kind of like lessens the impact for me. I think a thing to consider is imagine some of what Akihiro did in that combat, like, going for the knee. If you're doing that on the ground, what you've just seen is a robot crawling at someone's feet, picking <laughs> at someone else. Whereas in space, it is full-on trying to do big, mm. mechanical, grappling combat. Yeah. Yeah, I think pretty much, every, for me, every space combat would be better if it was happening in, like, uh, like a Tokusatsu meteor field or quarry? something. Oh, okay. <laughs> or just like in a meteor field where there's like things to bounce off of, like which happens for a bit of this space version of the Tokusatsu Quarry. It kind of is actually. That's fair. A lot of rocks. 
Also, they called Asteroid Fields, Matt. Bad news. Asteroid Fields. I was like, I knew it was the wrong one. Yeah, the meteor meteors are the ones that go fast. Uh, this series would probably just call them satellite <laughs> debris. <laughs> they probably just call it the moon. <laughs> that's what I wrote. That's what I wrote on my astronomy test. The ones that go fast. <laughs> Rocks go burr. I'm trying exactly. to imagine you taking an astronomy test and not just saying the stars. Well, here's are what fake happened: sheeple. is that is that I had. One class in college that required me to do any homework and read the book, and that was Trig, and then I immediately got a D on that, so I had to do a single STEM credit. So I had astronomy, and only astronomy for an entire quarter. Sick. Yeah, you having to do only a single STEM credit explains a lot. So who's got plugs? Uh, yeah. You can listen to Lightning Strikes Thrice, that is our jrpg slash jrpg adjacent podcast just say rpg uh, it's an rpg game fuck club you podcast. it's whatever i want to be on it eat my ass exactly <laughs> uh where we we've just started our season on uh breath of fire dragon quarter every time i say that i almost go breath of dragon fire quarter <laughs> just every single time <laughs> i have to like stop myself um that's a really interesting game. Uh, we also had a really cool uh, episode, bonus episode on its way, where uh, uh, Chris and Ryan interviewed a couple of the uh, creators of Wolfstride, which we had just finished. So that is coming down the pike. That. It will confirm a lot of suspicions like, whoops, we accidentally deleted the entire code base three months to ship. <laughs> shit. I don't need to hear them tell me that to know it. I don't know why the control's important. I. That, well, when you allow your animator to use the source control, sometimes you make a big mistake. <laughs> oh, that is a red flag. Mm. Yeah, so you can listen to that. You can listen to, uh, at least for now, uh, <laughs> Boku No Stop Premium. Just trying to get things back on the rails. Uh, we just finished Be the Beginning, and we just started basically Be the Beginning uh, version .09. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, Terror and Residence. It's basically the same fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> and with the, with yeah, the yeah, same yeah. guy r- creating characters for both. Um, and on top but of that... About doing can, that one has 9-11 in the first episode. <laughs> one of them is the... Ni- yes, it is the 9-11 anime. Uh, beyond that, you can read my uh, reviews of Yuri Manga and other media at Okazu, uh, at uh, okazu.yurikon.com. Uh, I'm a staff writer there. I have a review going up for uh, the print version of the webcomic Kiss It Goodbye, which is really good. You should go read that. It's free. Uh, And then also uh, How to Be Relationship uh, Volume 10 should be coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, So go check those out. That's the only staff writer at the Yuri place. No, there's three of us. Don't worry about it. You'll get it when you're older. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, tell us about your many podcasts that you've recorded recently, Garrett. Oh, I, t- I mean, technically, I have recorded a podcast now for this network in yeah. the past week at Journey Through the I was going to say, yeah, com. I'm on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so well, not in this because, network. That's because somebody knows that I'm finishing an edit that will have released by the time this goes live. Mm-hmm. So technically, <laughs> there is new content. Hell yeah. Love it. 
love new and content. Speaking of new no, content, that- we don't have a URL set up yet, but you will be able to hear me on yet another disgusting show with the upcoming launch of Spite Comics, a show that is covering web comics of the early 2000s, beginning with Bob and George, the original Sprite comic. Also, uh, Radio Manga. We still do that. There's an episode on its way, and uh, there'll be more soon. We do have two episodes planned. Mm-hmm. Now that it's been two months later, we're going to we're recording icons and icons. So actually, check that out. It costs a dollar at our Patreon, fishtrap.cash. Uh, we're going to be recording about Jinro this weekend. What if we talked about Ooh. different anime fascism? <laughs> I've been meaning to watch that for a long time. It's really it's good. All right. Uh, last time uh, uh, I gave the iPad to Thea, uh, I tried to like show her what I was watching on Crunchyroll, and she like swiped it off and started Disgusting. playing Jinro, which was very funny. There's something very funny to me about yeah you you giving a under one year old Crunchyroll. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know it. it, it you want to get a kid to calm down so you can clip her nails so that she doesn't wail. <laughs> And like fight you the whole time. Uh, sometimes you uh, give them a screen and it distracts her just enough so that she'll let you do it. I can't say anything because I might have done that. And also I might have slashed my own face with my nails this past week. So, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe sometimes you do need to trim someone's nails. Oh, all the time. She would cut her face all the time. She's very strong. She'll grip her face very hard. But good news. After all of the politicking we had this episode, we'll be back in two weeks with downtime. Who wants to see these boys go out on the town? Woo. What does that mean when you're... What do you do when you're a child? <laughs> work. Uh, They've, yeah, they're going right, to the Crimes. Mafia planet. Mm, that should be fun. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> Go to the Lego store. Ah, Mikazuki. Ooh, you know you have mafia blood. That's how you can wield the mace without hands. See ya. Peace. Bye.